Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. Thanks so much for joining us this week. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. It's time once again for another installment of Favorites with Friends. Yay! This is incredibly exciting. This is one of our favorite little mini sub-series to do, because essentially what we do on these types of episodes, we bring in um, friends of the show, friends of the podcast, friends of Carl and myself, (laughs) and we just have an awesome time chatting about video game music. And I really can't think of anyone on this planet better to talk about video game music with than our guest today, Emily Reese. Emily, thank you so much for joining us today it is all my pleasure i promise (laughs) (laughs) so you guys uh, i'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to be very familiar with emily she hosted top score for many years which was actually the podcast that got us into video game music podcasting like we didn't even know that was a thing until we listened to emily's show so we we owe a lot this is a crazy this is a crazy experience for me it's pretty wild because to have Emily on the show and I mean having Ben on Emily's show and uh-huh. I mean I gosh it's it's all so surreal to me you really are kind of a rock star in our eyes oh that's very <laughs> kind you're rock stars too and in fact I want to have you back on the show in the next couple of weeks so we got to get that on the books absolutely and that's a that's a good thing to mention right up top if anyone's not familiar yeah. Emily has a new podcast so Emily do you want to tell some of our listeners maybe who have been living under a rock for the past couple months about your brand new <laughs> sure. show Sure, absolutely. I did top score at Minnesota Public Radio for about four and a half years and made a pretty sad decision to leave that job and start my own podcast about the video game industry and things like video game music for sure is still uh, very much an important part of the show. Right. But we also talk with other people in the industry as well. Um, For instance, uh, one of the newest shows I got to speak with someone who works for Harmonix, which is the studio that did like rock band and guitar oh, hero yeah. and all that. And he was one of the guys who reduces the guitar parts down so that people can play them on easy, medium, That's hard, so and insane levels. Oh, and it's, no it was kidding. just really fascinating to talk to him. And those are the kinds of things I didn't have the opportunity to do before that I'm really happy I have the opportunity to do now. For sure. And if people want to find out more, they can go to june-media.com so it's j-o-o-n hyphen media.com or you can look us up on patreon and you can find us there at patreon.com slash june media and then we're also on you know facebook twitter youtube all that kind of stuff we have a lot of free free content well you guys have a really cool cute little logo it's like it's got little cat ears and a tail it's very fitting it's very fitting for anyone who knows emily absolutely it it is did you guys buy um j-u-n-e the domain because you know sometimes people buy misspellings oh yeah no like June Media is actually also a company in South Korea. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So So, it'll be very clear right away if they go to the wrong site. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is like there are a bunch of other companies because we named it after my cat, June. Her actual, her name is Junebug, and she's definitely the mascot of the house. She's just an icon (laughs) around here. Everybody loves her. And she's hilarious and just got one anyway she's great and so we named it after her it was just like duh we're gonna name this company after the cat you know absolutely but there was already like a june bug media and like a june media like spelled correctly all of those were already taken in the us of a so you know 
We went with J-O-O-N. Perfect. <laughs> Which is a very common Korean name. So that is why there is, of course, a June Media. So That is super cool. Well, guys, anyone who's not familiar with uh, these Favorites with Friends episode, basically these are a little bit more laid back conversational episodes where our guest brings in their own playlist of some of their favorite video game music. And we just talk about maybe some of their first experiences hearing it, playing these games, what the music means to them. So this is going to be such a good time. I think I think it's probably it makes sense to just kind of jump right into this list well, and it's it's a great experience for us because we don't have to do anything we didn't have to prepare the playlist we just got to sit back and relax this week make emily do all the work no it was awesome yeah so it was so yeah hard so yeah let's get things started here the first track on emily's playlist today is from darksiders 2 by jesper kid and the track that she wanted to play today is the maker's theme so let's take a listen to the maker's theme You guys are listening to The Maker's Theme, composed by Jesper Kidd. This is from Darksiders 2, which came out in 2012. Now, Emily, what system did you play this game on? I Actually, I played it on Xbox 360, and okay. the game itself was a little buggy and weird, which was unfortunate because it was a gorgeous game. I mean, it mm-hmm. looked just beautiful, but there were some kind of bug issues that made me not get very far in the game itself. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. this soundtrack, I know the entire thing front to back. I just love this music. It's got like this really neat kind of Celtic influence and just some really folk sounds with like tin whistle and the violin or the viola. And right. I just love the individual solo yeah. sounds in it. And I just am such a huge fan of Jesper. I mean, I could always easily go to Assassin's Creed, which I think I did anyway later maybe in this yes, list, um, yes. but uh, I could easily go to Hitman, I could easily go to Borderlands, all the great music he wrote for the Borderlands series or any number of projects, but I love talking about this one because since the game didn't really do that great and since THQ is sure. done now, 
I just really want people to know about this awesome soundtrack. Kind of an underrated soundtrack. And really, for me, it kind of sounds a lot different than what I had come to expect from Jesper Kid. It's not his, I guess, his vintage style. It's a little bit more restrained. Yeah, there's more acoustic elements in it than you tend to find with Jesper, although that can be a misleading thing because Jesper is frequently using acoustic sounds and kind of tampering with them and things yeah. and making them electronic but uh, but I think that's one of the things that's unique about this soundtrack of his of late is just all of that you know all those solo instruments and there's definitely some wacky stuff on here there's another track called the Crystal Spire and you guys can just listen to that on your own time but mm-hmm. it, it basically was him just improvising on his analog synthesizers and it kind of has like I'm kind of dating myself here but it has like that Enya like Orinoco flow you know oh, sail sure. away sail away you know that song Absolutely. it kind of has that feel to it but um it's just it's very classic Jesper and uh n- that one's all complete analog synths there's no like real instruments in that at all. So you get a little bit of everything from him on this That's record. That's so cool that yeah. we have a track like that where he's just kind of improvising. Because one thing I always hear with his music is he strikes me as a composer who it kind of comes easy to him. I don't I don't get the sense that he's agonizing over, oh, what do I do here? I think his choices yeah. probably come pretty quickly. And it seems like he yeah. just has a very natural process of composition. I think that's a really great way of putting it. And that's something I wouldn't have come up with on my own. But you're exactly right. I think for Jesper, it's just a part of being human for him is Mm -hmm. just getting this music out. And not to say it's like some big, like spiritual thing. I mean, who knows, maybe it is. But uh, but I, I just think I think you're right. I don't think he probably spends too much time. Uh, worrying. I think he knows when he's done. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, this one's perfect. Let's move on to the next one. Well, I think something <laughs> that I really uh, appreciate when listening to modern video game soundtracks, because I think there's a trend in, you know, games and films to make everything more epic and intense and loud and rocking yeah. and rhythmic is really a big thing. So I really appreciate um, because, you know, video games are a relatively new medium and they haven't been able to have, you know, symphonic uh, utilizing, you know, real instrument scores for really that long. And so yeah. I really appreciate when you can have a piece like this that's very light and ethereal and mm-hmm. really slow and beautiful and, you know, not always necessarily needing to hit you over the head with sort of raucous rhythms and right. things like that. Absolutely. Well, yeah, you did allude to it, and now it makes sense to to move on to the second, and I think this the final uh, Jesper Kid composition on today's on today's yeah. playlist. This is from Assassin's Creed Two, and All a right. wonderful soundtrack. I actually think this is. I think I always thought it was better um, than the first soundtrack. I don't know what your thoughts yeah. are, Emily. Yeah, no, I agree. I think. Well, I think you know, after the first game, it was like, oh, this is what we're doing. Yes. You know, and I think they really settled into that with with Assassin's Creed 2. Brotherhood is my personal favorite of all mm. of them. Mm-hmm. But uh but Assassin's Creed 2 soundtrack is just sick. It's just it's, ridiculously it's really good. good. Yeah. So the track that Emily brought in today is Home in Florence. So let's take a listen to this track composed by Jesper Kidd.
you guys are listening to Home in Florence, what a beautiful piece from Assassin's Creed 2, composed by Jesper Kidd. Wow, yeah, we had a lot to say right away um, listening to this, and I'm going to give the reins to Emily. Uh, you, you said as soon as this track started that, oh my gosh, this takes me right back to the game. Do you want to kind of talk about maybe your first time with this game and how the music affected you? Oh man, this game blew me away. I remember the first game coming out. And I tried it. I think I had some kind of another buggy game, right? The first Assassin's Creed was a mess. And uh, I had issues with it. I think I got a game breaker or something like that. But I stopped playing it. But um, I just remember those first trailers coming out. And I just, I had never seen anything like it. And it just blew my mind. I'd always wanted to be able to climb all the buildings and do all the things. (laughs) And then the, the music in Assassin's Creed 2 is just so brilliant because it it's tough because uh, I was speaking with Jesper once and he made some comment about how he's never scored a sci-fi game, mm-hmm. which is hilarious because he's like Mr. Sci-fi. Like Borderlands is kind of sci-fi, but it's more steampunk. Sure. And Assassin's Creed is definitely, ha- it definitely has sci-fi elements, but that's not what they focus on in the game, no. right? They focus on the history and where you are historically. Sure. And so, but for him to be able to like you said when we were listening to it create this like timeless like it totally could be a piece written 50 years from now or 50 years ago and it's just fits so well it fits so well yeah because it's not necessarily 21st century like like emily was saying when we were listening to this uh these are probably all synth sounds these are probably all um you know virtual instruments here and so it feels like it makes sense that this is a 2000-something game. But at the same right. time, you know, when the game takes place, it also fits that era, too. It's well, just I think a big part of that is, like you mentioned, the combination of those synthesizer instruments, which to me have sort of a clean, modern aesthetic to them. But yeah. harmonically, it's very modal and really yes. has kind of an ancient medieval renaissance kind of quality to the harmony and i think that combination of modern and almost ancient really Mm -hmm. does make it feel timeless because you can't really place it in a specific era sure right yeah i think that was dorian mode maybe that he was toying around there and that definitely Mm -hmm. is like definitely makes you think of an older time (laughs) right (laughs) or a folkier time too you know it brings all those things together because it's you know you're you're oh god what yeah i mean the folk thing you really bring up an interesting point i think the timbre of those synthesizers have mm-hmm. sort of this very plucked mandolin quality to it i mean i don't really know what he's doing it could be doubled with some kind of acoustic instruments but it, it just kind of has that timbre to it um that really yeah. does kind of remind me of folk music absolutely well i'm excited to move on to the next track on today's playlist Sweet. this is from a series that we actually had an episode not too long ago the elder scroll really? series this is um obviously skyrim by the wonderful jeremy soul considered oh, some would some call him the john williams of video game music i've heard that thrown around Fair before enough. Uh, the theme that you wanted us to play today is Imperial Throne. And what's cool mm-hmm. about this is we did not feature this on that episode. So this is the first time. I would imagine not. Yeah, yeah that's why I picked <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not one of the main themes, but it's one of the themes that stuck with me the most from the entire game. So That's yeah. awesome. Well, let's take a yeah. listen to Imperial Throne.
beautiful piece is Imperial Throne, composed by Jeremy Soule from Skyrim. And in case anyone's um, not aware, the entire score, uh, minus the the, the choir, obviously, um, is sequenced. So this is not a real orchestra. Mm -hmm. This was all (laughs) meticulously crafted and sequenced by Jeremy in order to sound realistic. And I think that's absolutely incredible, especially on a piece Mm -hmm. like this, which is restrained. It's soft. It's subtle. It's not over the top. This is the kind of music that is the hardest to sequence. And he yeah. does he ever pull this off? This is beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. It's such an amazing piece. And it's funny, I, I just interviewed McLean Deemer earlier this week, and he took over for Jeremy on Guild Wars 2. Okay. And mm-hmm. he was talking about how he, he, he said to the studio, he's like, look, I can write great music. Mm-hmm. I cannot do that with fake sounds he's like jeremy that's jeremy like jeremy is a genius like nobody can touch that yep and so they they got him live instruments because he's just like i can write you great music but i can't make it sound well if only jeremy could have said that years ago maybe they would have gotten him live instruments man i don't you know i mean does he really need him Nobody well, I, I think them, that yeah. it it brings up a sort of interesting thought where you know oftentimes when you're listening to a piece of music and you know the music's great but the sound of the synthesized instruments kind of detracts from the experience a little bit. I kind of always thought yeah. that well that's just you know that that's the limit of the technology um that's kind of the sacrifice you get and this is the advantage mm-hmm. of having real performers but i think in jeremy's case what it kind of shows it's less about the instruments necessarily sounding real but more capturing the expression of actual instrumentalists and what's so crazy mm-hmm. is he does it n- not specifically with instrument sounds but just with his whole production the different chains of reverb that he's using and how he's manipulating the sounds in a very specific way right. to create the impression of attack on strings all the, the you know if you listen to any kind of line in this piece any melodic line it's never staying at the same dynamic volume and when you listen to solo string chamber music that's yeah. t- typically the case i mean with the exception i guess of that low drone but it's always crescendoing it's always changing dynamic and i think that's something that he did that's just one of those subtle things that just makes it feel real to our ears absolutely well he uses a breathing tube Mm -hmm. and so he actually will breathe the line into the computer so that the computer can react to his breath Mm -hmm. that's how amazing that is like when those horn lines and solo this and solo that he's breathing that in and so it's a natural and that's how it's able to feel so convincing because yeah. you still have that human element he's almost it's really brilliant he's almost able to distill just enough of the human element in order to make it work because like yeah. you said you know if he didn't use that technique or you know i know on other sequencers too where maybe they don't have that breathing tube but they they think about the breaths and they kind of um almost conduct it with their hands in a way that they're almost using the computer as a musical instrument well, and i think, think it you forces you to, to be aware it. It forces you to be aware of all the individual aspects of the music making, not just sort of the broad line. Okay, then the cellos right. are going to do this. Like you have to really think about what is that player doing at every single moment. Sure. And yeah. I think that's such a great experience for a composer like Jeremy, who clearly has the compositional talent, but can really kind of get inside the music and approach it from a performer's aspect as well. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I'm really excited to move on to this next. This is going to be a nice change of pace here. Uh, this is from Silent Hill 2. 
two by the wonderful oh god yeah <laughs> yeah the wonderful akira yamaoka and this is a wonderful track that will can you believe we haven't on the podcast played this version we've only played the what? reprise we played the reprise which is on piano but we've never played this main version of theme of laura oh, wow on the podcast so thank you emily for finally kicking us into gear here let's take Happy a listen to. to this beloved piece this is theme of laura from silent hill 2 classic track is theme of laura from silent hill 2 composed by akira yamaoka now i am too much of a coward to play horror games uh so i've never played um the silent hill games but i adore the soundtracks we all love the soundtracks yeah Yeah. emily what tell us a little bit about this game oh i've never played it either i know how it ends (laughs) and i know that it's a lot of people's favorite silent hill game i think people talk a lot uh, it seems like people talk a lot about this one yeah and it's funny that i have like no experience playing it i've never even watched a walkthrough of the second one i've watched walkthroughs of the first one i just can't do horror games are so they're like 10 times scarier than movies because with games you're in it you you put yourself in that world so it's a million you know, times more terrifying well, that's that's yeah. saying nothing though you couldn't even play metroid prime like i remember like when i was playing prime <laughs> when you were a little kid you had to run out of the room when i got energy low <laughs> well i was like i was like seven yeah still oh it was i was very frustrated because like it felt like you were abandoning me like i was about to that's die awesome. and you were just giving up on me right then and there that games are scary hilarious. Games are super scary. Yeah, and what's funny you stick is... to Mario Party and not much else. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, man. But then you go to the booze level in Mario Party, and then you have to leave the room there, too. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. That never happened. Oh, yeah. So I've never played any of these games, but I love, love, love the soundtracks. And it, it just it's just such a good rock song, right? I mean, it's just totally. great rock. It is really good. It, we know what I love about this song is it starts off very powerful, the chorus for kind of 90s emotional rock, yeah. right? But then he introduces con- almost kind of like a James Bond kind of a flair with some of those minor <laughs> six chords. It's like, ooh, there's yeah. a little bit of mystery here, too. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Great. It's good stuff. Good it's stuff. A, just a good balance. Well, that, that was a lot of fun. Thanks for finally <laughs> making us play that song <laughs> on the podcast. Happy oh, to. I can't wait to move on to this. This is oh. from Journey, composed by Austin Wintry. I think it's safe to say a game and soundtrack that almost unanimously blew everyone away. This yeah, was such time. a yeah. powerful experience playing through this game. And, you know, one of, one of the interesting things about Journey and really some of the other, you know, Flower to lesser extent, uh, is... 
it's really it doesn't even feel like a video game it's almost like right it should be its own genre because it's almost <laughs> yeah. like this experience where you sit down and you just play the whole thing it's like an interactive short film or something well it's, it's like really journey is what video games could be and what yes. i think they should aspire yeah to be in an alternate and, reality i mean as far as the soundtrack i'll never think of a cello the same way again <laughs> <laughs> so with that said oh this is actually a really interesting um definitely one of the standouts i would say in the soundtrack uh emily yeah. wanted us to play the road of trials so let's take a listen to this track from journey <laughs> You guys are listening to The Road of Trials, and this is composed by Austin Wintry from the game Journey. Tell us, Emily, about um, your first experience. Maybe with you were saying this is probably your favorite section of this game too, and I would agree. Oh, with hands you. down, this is this this section blew me away, and it was funny because I didn't play it the first the first time I saw this game. Mm-hmm. My friend Sam, who's the engineer and my uh, business partner, whatever, sure. uh, he I watched him play it years ago when it first came out. And this is the scene, if you've not played Journey, go do it now. Yeah, you really uh, should. But this is the scene where you get to, like, slalom down these <laughs> sand dunes. Yeah, And there's amazing. this section. Where you're going past and the sun's in the background. And the sun, and the, sun and, and the music changes just for that section. And, and it just, like, even just thinking about it, I get goosebumps. It was just yeah. such an amazing, beautiful experience. Yeah, it's one of those moments that you see rarely where there's this emotional climax and the composer is able yeah. to perfectly match that in order to just elevate the experience and it's right. it's a wonderful moment. Yeah, it was amazing. And then it just continues, right? And then you take mm-hmm. a little right and you go back down into the dunes and you're like, oh my gosh, I get to do more! And it's just great. It's such a great part of the game. It's so it incredible. And the way that Austin Wintry approaches the score is so much like a, a tone poem. There's all these small little motifs and very tiny musical ideas that come together. And all in all, I feel like it's a very versatile soundtrack. Um, and he's so acutely aware of, Carl, you were saying this earlier, kind of noting the points of climax in yes. the experience. Because what, one of the things I love about Journey is that it's practically a silent experience like there's no real text or right. you know the interaction you have with other people is purely through gameplay and there's no numbers there's no bars like it's it's very just kind of you learn by doing and so so much of the uh 
so much of the experience of the game is so visceral and the music you know he not only does i think he create wonderful compositions but he also knows when to have music and when not to have music and sure yeah. i think that's actually probably one of the more difficult things as a composer in a video game to make those kinds of decisions yeah guys and i'm excited to announce journey 2 is coming this december no i'm just kidding <laughs> i don't think <laughs> I, like, I don't what? think we're gonna see a journey 2 but we are no. excited for his work in the assassin's creed series that'll be very interesting yeah and there's some really cool stuff he did with that that hasn't been announced yet and it's really amazing awesome awesome (laughs) yeah that when does that game come out like next week wow it's very soon (laughs) yeah i think it comes out next friday yeah so by the time this is up it'll be this friday that's absolutely insane yeah that's our plug for this week First of all, you guys got to play Journey, though. Yeah, big time, big time. Or at the very least, watch an unnarrated walkthrough. That's the least you can do, yeah. <laughs> if you don't have a PlayStation. Yeah, you know. Well, again, yeah. we have these really interesting transitions. We're going to go from that to <laughs> Metroid. We're going back in time here to the big game time. that came out for the NES and the Famicom Disk System. And this was composed by, Will, one of your favorite composers. Uh, I'm going to let you say the name of the fine gentleman who composed this game. Hirokazu Hip Tanaka. He's one of my favorites. The one and only. He's so good. So (laughs) the track that Emily wanted us to play today is the title track from Metroid. Enjoy, guys. are listening to the title theme from metroid composed by hirokazu hip tanaka and the version that you guys are hearing on this podcast is the fds version uh oh my gosh this is wonderful uh before i hand it over to emily because i know she has some things to say will i have to let you have your time to shine here talking about i know how much uh this track means to you well i i appreciate that uh professional courtesy brother uh <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I mean, I, I adore this theme. I think it's doing so many incredible things. And for, what was this, 1986, 87? Yeah. It, it blows my mind. Um Here's the thing. What I love about this piece is it's two completely contrasting sections. You start off very atmospheric, very drone, you know, eh, 
But even within that, um, he creates a lot of musical interest just because of having a different sustain length. So sort of um, what's happening there is the drone, it's just the one in five. Uh, it's yeah. And what's interesting, though, is the triangle is on the fifth. And the lowest note, the one, the root, it cuts out like a, just a little bit just before the before. triangle does. So you get the effect of dun and it's interesting like even on the primitive NES it, it's sort of like something that you would maybe do you know with a string section having violins violas and basses cut out and then just having that cello sustain for an extra sure. beat it's this idea of moving your ear around that was something we talked about a little bit last week and the other thing I love is uh, how contrasting the sections are you know it starts off very kind of hopeless scary desolate space mm-hmm. but then the B section is just like so emotional and so indulgent and I, I've heard um, Tanaka mentioned this before where what his interpretation is of writing for video games is that the only time that you can really sort of talk to the audience or acknowledge them is at the title screen in the end credits yeah. so that the two points in this game where the emotional tone is purely musical and not That's meant to very be for true. score is at the title screen right. and at the end credits and I think it's fitting that they both kind of utilize similar chord progressions and similar sure. um, emotions I really think but it's one of my favorite things about this game it's so now, Emily do you have um, did you have an experience playing this game was it back then or was it recently no, I've never played it ever, not once. Well, that's your home. That's your homework for this week. <laughs> <laughs> no, Metroid's kind of a, a, a daunting. I I love Metroid is probably one of my favorite series, but uh, the first game is probably the most difficult yeah. one to it's get tough. into because it's just it's so massive and so many of the parts uh, feel exactly the same, and hmm. it's just really difficult. Metroid is an example of a game where. It's not that it doesn't hold up, because I think it definitely does, but it's really hard to go back to to that type of a game in well, 8 Yeah, I think with Metroid, it's more about the things that it did um, for the first time. Yes. Um, notably, which I think uh, the first female protagonist in a video game is a big deal. Mm-hmm. But I think also, um, in a more simple sense, combining the platforming elements with Mario and the exploration elements of Zelda with a really clever um, kind of space aesthetic right. that, it, I don't know, the, the game really deals, and the whole series deals with isolation Mm -hmm. and i think the whole dark tone of the game was very influential to all the composers that worked on this series but i don't know this is i'd love to hear hirakazu tanaka come back and do like a modern metroid game (laughs) i always feel like he was pretty experimental for the nes there's a lot of tracks in metroid or just all throughout his work that are just like wow well what i love about it is like you listen to his early stuff and he was one of the early nintendo composers you know a 1985 titles like Balloon Fight were doing some pretty experimental things that like 1991 games weren't even doing. So like he was always yeah. ahead of the curve, and I think most people. And if you listen agree to like Earthbound, that. oh I mean, my that, gosh, that soundtrack's just out there, so out there. Well, cool. Now we're gonna move on to Bioshock Infinite. So we're going to a really old game to a fairly new game. This only came out a couple years ago, and this was the third mm-hmm. entry in the Bioshock series. And the track that Emily brought in today is the Songbird. And this was composed by Gary Scheiman. Let's take a listen to The Songbird from Bioshock Infinite.
You guys are listening to the songbird from Bioshock Infinite composed by Gary Scheinman. This is out there. Wow, this is a pretty yeah. experimental piece. Yeah, this is one of the combat tracks, and the combat music in this game is some of my favorite combat music ever. Like, for me, it's some of the most original combat music, um, and the implementation was really brilliant. And one of the other amazing things that I always talk about when I talk about this particular soundtrack is that anytime you got a headshot in Bioshock Infinite, Gary Scheiman actually scored stinger hits for that. So he scored, like, every time you get a headshot, you hear a like a choir of strings playing a chord you know and it was just brilliant so amazing to me and but but this particular combat music i just thought was so gritty uh-huh you know i mean that whole world is so like art deco and just mm-hmm. like weird and creepy and this and this song, song was creepy is very and, creepy too yeah yeah. Well, what I love, I, I don't know. I, I mean, Emily, obviously, you know way more about Gary Scheinman than I do, but he really strikes me as kind of a humble composer. Yeah. Because whenever I listen to the soundtracks to these games, it seems like it's just, it really is in service to whatever the emotional tone is needed at that moment, whether it's like yeah. source music, old, you know, records, pop songs in the background, or, you know, crazy, you know, advanced orchestral moments like yep. this, or even even what you were just describing, you know, having stabs for the headshot, that's something that practically no one will ever consciously be aware of while they're playing the game. Right. And it's probably not something that would really even show up on a soundtrack, but it's one of those things that mm-hmm. it's just him really being humble about his position. He's not writing this music to win awards he's not writing it so that people you know go oh i love listening to this music he really cherishes his role as contributing to the storytelling of video games but what's funny about that i think when that method is used that almost leads to the best music you know yeah it's it's ironic but so many composers have that approach where they're very kind of humble and really a, you know a servant to the product and to the experience and trying to match it as best as possible and that sometimes creates very interesting music to listen to on its own like we're listening to this away from the game and i don't know the context of this and i'm yeah. really getting a lot out of it on its own yeah i mean gary is definitely the real deal when you talk to Gary about his work you know he's able to reference films and film composers and games and I mean he just knows his stuff I mean Mm -hmm. he teaches scoring at USC and I mean seriously one of the best guys in the world to do it because he just is a walking encyclopedia of this thing that he loves so much and that he loves doing that's awesome it just definitely comes out in especially in this soundtrack and in all his other music too that's great well emily you gotta let us know this next game we're going to move on to what is this i've never heard of this before this is uh ib and ab what is this game yeah this was a little uh like downloadable title probably just for playstation i imagine okay um and the idea was it was like a two-player experience where you both had to like you know get through these puzzles together um and and it was i think it was something like one player was on one plane and the other was on another or something i can't exactly remember because it was kind of frustrating and not 
that great of a game. <laughs> I mean, it was, but it, again, this is another one of those. You know, this is kind of a common theme today, I feel like. Good music, not the greatest game. Yeah, I try, except with like Bioshock Infinite or some yeah. Skyrim. But, <laughs> but yeah, but in, I do love to call attention to this soundtrack because it's like super fun, like 90s poppy kind of mm-hmm. soundtrack, like really chill. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I love it. And I think this composer, Kettle, I th- he's, I want to say he's Dutch or Danish. Right. And I just think it's brilliant. I think it sounds fantastic and it's super fun music. Yeah, it looks like he's Dutch. Kettle is a musician. Okay. For, he's a Dutch musician. He's only 33 years old. Come on. Um, yeah, so let's <laughs> let's take a listen to this track. <laughs> this is Post from Ib and Ab. piece of music you guys are listening to post and this is from the game ib and ab composed by the dutch composer kettle he's an electronic musician and some people equate his work um to other artists such as Aphex twin yega uh, are a couple other artists that um some people think sound similar to him but i really want to look into this uh guy because this is incredible really cool stuff this might be my You'll favorite uh, piece of the whole day that we've heard so far. I just, <laughs> nice. Partially because um, I've, I've never heard this one before, right. so it's just yep. really exciting me. But I'm I'm so fascinated by the set of instruments that it was chosen in this. It, Emily made a good point. There's that very distant reverberant trumpet, or you said it was a flugelhorn yeah. somewhere in the back. Maybe. Um, the I did. Now it sounds like a trumpet, not, not mm-hmm. a flugel anymore. But yeah, the whole soundtrack, it has this energy in this like kind of vibe this bubbly vibe and it's just great i mean i had trouble picking a track that's how much i love this soundtrack this is kind of one of my go-tos especially like when i'm on a plane for some reason when i'm flying i have a couple of go-tos and this is one of them yeah it's just so the whole soundtrack is just great and it's cool because this is a guy who he's just a musician outside of games that happened to be uh, contacted to do the music for this soundtrack so I'm really excited to to look into his work that's the history of the really the history of video game composers is that I mean even people that have made their entire career on video games they were just musicians that were hired by game companies at one point the Fallen Brothers are a good example of that yep well, this is interesting. Um, <laughs> what a weird and goofy game and soundtrack. We're now going to move on. <laughs> Emily, why don't you tell our audience what we're moving on to now? Lonely Rolling Star. <laughs> <laughs> Katamari. Um, let's let's take a listen to Lonely Rolling Star. This is um, a goofy, goofy track. Here we go.
this wonderful and very oh silly track God. is Lonely Rolling Star from Katamari Damashi. If you can't tell, obviously, it's in love. such an iconic sound. There's really no other soundtrack that sounds quite like this. This was composed oh. by Yohito Yano and Saki Kabata. And I believe that Saki Kabata is the vocalist, if I'm not mistaken here. Um, I defy you to not have a smile on your face when it's listening to this. Yeah, right? <laughs> It's so good. It's so good! Emily, tell us a little bit about uh, why you brought in this track today. Look, I mean, Katamari, just hands down, is one of the best games ever. I mean, just on concept alone, just the idea Mm -hmm. of rolling stuff up in a ball until it gets so big that you're rolling up clouds and planets. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It's great, and the soundtrack just captures that. That insanity. Weird fantasy, like, super hopped up craziness and i, I it's just so japanese it. I, and the combination of those so old japanese. 8-bit chip sounds mixed yes. with vocals and yes. real instruments it's so fun what a beautiful chorus i mean every oh, section melodically is, is 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 just incredible it's harmonized wonderfully these yeah. great sort of jazz chords and just the aesthetic is perfect for this game like yeah it's really insane just much like how you described the (laughs) the game is sort of hopped up and all these creative ideas that's really what the music reflects this combination of quirky sounds from different eras but all in all it's incredibly positive very emotionally rich but just like it puts a smile on your face that's exactly what it does i'm in a great mood now i really am too (laughs) i really gotta say like i wasn't in a bad mood before but my spirits are lifted if there was we should have started with this you know what we don't really do track of the weeks for these episodes uh, but if there was a track of the week this would be it this week for me this is the one that really makes me um happy and i really (laughs) think that's Really, what these composers were going for. This is this is really awesome. You know, that's that actually awesome. an episode we, we we should probably do as a Katamari episode. That would be oh, way absolutely. too much fun. Heck yeah, be out of control. Oh. All right, now we're going to move on to another um, game that has an kind of a similar, like an equal but opposite sense of humor. I would say uh, this is <laughs> Portal Two and the track that, and I, I believe Portal. Emily, this is an instrumental track. Is that correct? Yeah. Awesome. Let's take a listen to the track that Emily brought in. This is Science is Fun from Portal 2 by Mark Moreski. Here we go. interesting piece of music this is science is fun from portal <laughs> 2 by mike Moraski. wow this is an out there track oh god mike Moraski is my hero <laughs> i love this guy i love his music he's just such an amazing composer and i love this 
track so much. It's just, <laughs> I just want to like get out my rave gloves and a disco ball. And, like, <laughs> you have to. Glow put sticks. on black, black light, everything. And oh, it's just, I love it. I love it. Will, yeah, what are some great. of your thoughts on this? I really like the uh, instrument of that synthesizer, particularly in the high range. It's yeah. It has so many overtones. Like it's just yeah, like all those frequencies to the point popping, I can't yeah. even hear like the fundamental <laughs> pitch after a while. It's right? so snarly though too. Yeah. I mean, oh, Mike's done that. so many great things at Valve, and and that's yeah. just another interesting maybe episode is maybe kind of focusing on some of his his work. Also, you know, uh, Left for Dead series. Uh, he, he's done some other. Some other um, stuff yeah. too that that's it's always really entertaining. Uh, the Team Fortress yep. Two has some really fun music as well. Yeah, but yeah, what I, what I like about um about the artist of this, if you get the soundtrack, the artist is Aperture Science Psychoacoustics Laboratory. Right. Yeah, his name isn't anywhere on there, and you know you still can to this day. I think download this soundtrack yep. for free from Valve's website, which is just awesome that they yeah, do that they're so great we all just want to marry valve yeah. let's just all get married <laughs> <laughs> but yeah one of the other cool things about this soundtrack is he he goes into like he uses a lot of augmented chords mm-hmm. which is just not that common which blows my mind because it's like to me one of the eeriest um and most interesting you know chords you can build mm-hmm. and he right. uses that a lot particularly in a track called i think it it might be technical difficulties but yeah sure. you guys could listen to that on your yeah it is it is yep technical difficulties that's the fourth track but yeah Very this cool. whole record is just great yeah that's awesome well now we're going to move on to another game that i have never heard of before so this is another kind of obscure pick i'm glad i'm glad you brought this in i've never heard will have you ever heard of this game uh, i can't say i have i, I don't know what oh the name of the God. game is though I'm only looking at the track name. <laughs> Papo and Yo? Papo and Yo. I Yeah, it doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> oh, man. You guys got to look into this game. This okay, game, this will be our homework. Yes, because this game came out, I want to say, probably three years ago. Okay. Uh-huh. And it was PlayStation only. Um, and it's a game about alcoholism. And it is Whoa. amazing. You play as this boy who lives in this Brazilian favela. And his father, quote unquote, is he he carries around this big, huge, giant pink monster. Mm. And if the monster eats frogs, he turns violent and starts to try and basically kill the kid. And so your job is to just take care of him and to try and keep him away from frogs and to solve all these puzzles. So basically, it's a very light and bubbly game is what you're saying? (laughs) I'm just, yeah, no. I'm just kidding. Wow, that, that's that's one of the heaviest. I, wow, that's that's yeah. Very it's one of the few times I've actually just sobbed after I finished a game, and wow. the other time was when I played Heavy Rain. But um, mm. but Papo and Yo is beautiful game, beautiful studio. Uh, they're was all from Montreal. No, well, the, a lot of them are from Brazil, but somehow they uh, many of them ended up in Canada, huh, and so okay. yeah, and so uh, the this particular composer Brian Doliveira is I believe, I want to say from Ecuador, I could be wrong, Mm -hmm. Um, but he's lived in Canada for most of his life. I gotta tell you, that sounds incredible. Like I, I, I'm all for games used as like a really artistic means of expression. Like I think they have so much potential for making you kind of look at subjects in a different way and making you look at yourself and realizing things about yourself. Well, with that in mind, Let's think about that as we listen to this track. This is Liberation from Papo and Yo.
are listening to a really emotional beautiful track called liberation also known as la muerta de papo from papo and yo and this was composed by brian dolivera emily tell us a little bit about uh this track in general it's more about this game this is really good yeah this track happens at the very end and so i'm not going to spoil it for you but it's really an emotional moment and uh it's just beautiful the whole the the Mm -hmm. ending closing sequence is beautiful and how this music plays is gorgeous brian d'olivera is such an amazing composer he's a multi-instrumentalist he's one of those guys who just is constantly buying and collecting instruments and Mm. building them too he's like a really amazing craftsman and he'll like saw and build things he built a baroque violin bow for a friend of his in fact (laughs) Uh, Kenny Young, who though these two together, Brian Dolivera and Kenny Young, wrote the soundtrack for Tearaway Unfolded. Okay. And Tearaway, the the P- uh, PlayStation Vita game, which now has just uh, turned into a PS4 game. Most recently, I think it came out like last week or something. Right. Um, but it, it, I mean, he's just an amazing composer and. Uh, the whole team on this game really poured their heart and soul into it, and Brian plays so many of the instruments himself. It's just just really amazing wow. to to hear what he he did with it. Yeah, that really stopped me in my tracks. That's a fitting way to kind of wrap up this episode. We have one more track that we're going to play out with that we'll we'll talk about before we leave. But Emily, we just wanted to thank you so much for joining us today. It's so great to <laughs> finally have you on our podcast. Oh, thank you too. This has been like at least a year in in the making. I I feel bad that it's taken us so long to have you on, but we're so grateful. And again, <laughs> I, I I I I don't think I can say this enough. Like. So many uh, great things in my life have come out of this podcast, and I I am being completely honest when I say just none of those things would have happened if it wasn't for you. Uh, you are the a huge reason why we ever even tried to start a podcast, <laughs> and you've been so kind to us uh, in person and having us on both Top Score and your new show at June Media. It, we're, we're eternally grateful. Oh, thank you. It means a lot to hear that. And I just love what you two are doing. And you've made quite an impression to yourselves just putting together such a great show. And it's a pleasure to hang out with you guys anytime. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, It's always fun to just nerd out about video game music. That's one of our yeah. favorite things to do. So the, the track that we're going to play out with, uh, Emily, why don't you give us a little bit of context, maybe personal experience with it. This is from Mass Effect and it's Sovereign's theme. Yeah, this is the the 
very first time that Commander Shepard encounters a Reaper mm-hmm. in re- quote unquote real life. I think it's a it's a hologram of a Reaper, of course, mm-hmm. but. Um, it's the very first time she talks to him or well in my case it was i had a female commander shepherd but you can play as a male commander shepherd as well but sure. mine she when she very first talks to him and it's a really really pivotal moment in the game because it's the first time that you're kind of so you know quote unquote meeting your enemy face to face and the music here that Sam Hewlett scored uh it's just like all this really low strings and it's just very ominous and dark way to end the show but it's uh, <laughs> it's such a beautiful just deep theme absolutely well once again guys thanks so much for joining us you can follow us on twitter at marcado bros you can like us on facebook even subscribe to our youtube channel check out our new website that we launched um, a few weeks back hopefully you guys are enjoying that new website uh some really cool new logos that we got designed by some pretty talented designers yeah it's just sort of a redesign it's still supermarcadobros.com uh <laughs> it's, it's not like a, a brand new website it's just completely redesigned but uh you can still find every episode of this show at supermarcadobros.com and all of our original music uh emily do you want to plug some of the things that you're doing Sure. You can uh, find out more, support us on Patreon. We have a weekly show, so you get a show every Thursday, and it's only a dollar a month. So it's basically like 25 cents an episode, and it'd be great if you, you know, are interested in game audio and interviews in the game arena to please check us out on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash June media. So that's J O O N. You're definitely, it's very well worth uh, the purchase. Absolutely. Cool. Thank you guys. Well guys, thanks so much. We will talk to you next week. My name is Carl Brueggemann. I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. And thanks again, Emily, for coming on our show. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out. Peace out.